Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is uh, part two, as I said, the gift of me. And I'm looking at the gift of me. Now, kind of the first part of my, my message, when I was looking at Myrrh, what, what did Myrrh signify? The thing that really struck a chord with me was, and I've put it, I kind of paraphrase it, and I'll go into and unwrap it and explain it later. The gift of Myrrh, the bittersweet gift. The gift of Myrrh, the bittersweet gift. Now, I don't know about you, but in my time, I've received many gifts, which I classify as a bittersweet gift. Now, you know, you know the type of gift that you receive that once you've opened the wrapper, you take a second look inside the wrapper to make sure you've not missed anything falling out. You take a third look, then you take a fourth look at the person that's giving you the gift and, and think to yourself, hmm. <laughs> you know the gifts I'm talking about. Is it just me? <laughs> is, it just, is it just me? No. So, the bittersweet gift. And, and also, I guess I... I have the joys many a year of, of being part of um, my workplace Secret Santa gifts, where you give a gift anonymously to one of your work colleagues. You don't know who the gift has come from. You don't, you don't know its source or its origin. And I don't know about you, but I'm always the unlucky one that gets a gift that can't be used, has no relevance to me whatsoever. And again, I, I'm there looking around, trying to work out what type of thought process went into this. <laughs> what type of thought process went into this? But it's gracious. It's, it's, it's a gracious heart you have to receive. And receive with a smile anyway. So my message is around the gift of myrrh, the bittersweet gift. Now, I'm going to move on to the story. And Chris shared, shared the story last week. And I'm going to read it through again. And it's from Matthew 2. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 from verses 1 to 12. And it's a story about the wise men. So if you've got your Bibles or access to a Bible, feel free to turn to it. It should be coming up on the screen. And I'm just going to read it through. Because it's a story about the wise men and the links into the, the giving of the gifts. So the, ma- the, ma- the Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has, been, who has been born king of the Jews? We saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was, tu- he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means amongst rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by a different route. They returned to the country by a different route. So, we move on to, to the gift of myrrh. And following on from last, last week's message, the thing that really struck, struck me about that particular passage, before I even get to the actual gift itself of myrrh, is that... These wise men traveled a great distance to present this gift. They traveled a great distance to present this gift. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about traveling a great distance, having two kids myself, I just think it's a logistical nightmare. I've got to think to myself, right, what's the easiest way to get from A to B in the least stressful way possible? And, you know... First thing that springs to my mind is probably, or travel without the kids. <laughs> that, always, that always helps. But here we have wise men, and they travel the great distance. They travel from the east. And some of the, the, the scriptures and some of the, the, the theory and, and research and history behind it show that they were traveling for quite some time. And there's some accounts that they, they probably didn't even get to see baby Jesus until he was about two years old. Now, that whole concept of traveling a great distance. And you forget, in those days, we're not talking about having large vehicles where you can just bung everything you can into a vehicle, pull it all in the boot, we can, we can get there, no problem. We can prepare for every occasion and situation because we've got the room to account for it. They didn't have that luxury. They didn't have the luxury of jumping on the train, filling up the carriages with all their baggage and, and, and all their belongings. They didn't have the luxury of jumping on the plane and filling up the holds and, and all the chaos that you've got with traveling with luggage. They didn't have that luxury. So, with, with them having to travel that great distance, they had to be specific about what they were taking. They had to be specific with what they were taking. Now, again, the image that I, I have always, when I get to the airport, there's always that one person in front of me who's gone over their weight limit on luggage. There's always, they have to be in front of me. They're never behind me. They're always in front of me. And then they'll start unpacking their bags, trying to get it under, put in three and four jackets on, uh, looking, looking at, putting back on the weight. It's, oh, it's still too heavy. They'll get ushered over to a special section. They're always in front of me, never, be, never behind me. But the thing that really jumped out to me with this particular passage, is my first point is, when space is limited, you carry what's important. When space is limited, you carry what's important. Now, these, these wise men traveled a great distance for a long time. They had to be specific in what they were taking. They had to be specific. They didn't have the luxury of chucking it all in. They didn't have the luxury of saying, well, we can take everything we need for the what-ifs. They were specific in what they carried. So when space is limited, you carry what's important. Now, the thing that jumps out to me about that phrase 
is that it has such an important emphasis in every situation we face in life. Because when you're at work and you're in that meeting where everyone wants to talk and everyone wants to get their opinion through, when you've got that split second to make an impact, what is it that you say? What is it that you're carrying that's going to be significant? When space is limited, what are you carrying that's important? When you're writing an essay at school or at university and you've got a word count, that's 2,000 words, you've got to carry and say what's important. You don't have time or space to waffle. These wise men traveled and they were specific about what they carried because their space was limited. Their space was limited. Now, I'm thinking this through and I think to myself, well, actually, when we as a people face ourselves, have, have situations where we face different challenges, difficulties, hurdles, what is it that we're carrying? And what is it that we present in that limited space of time? What is it we're presenting? When someone comes to you for advice, someone comes to you for support, time is limited. What is it you're imparting into that situation? When space is limited, you carry what's important. And the importance of carrying what's important is that you make a change, you make an impact. You have to think it through. It has to be of significance. It has to be of purpose. When space is limited, you carry what's important. Now, I don't know about you, I live a very busy life. <laughs> a very, very busy life. Time, time is always a problem and <laughs> pressure, pressure for me. But I thank God that I find time for him in my daily routine. I find time for him in my weekly routine. I find time because I need to make space for what's important. I need to make space for what's important. Yes, I carry a lot. Yes, I have lots of pressures as being a, a father, a husband, a work colleague, an older brother to two very demanding sisters. I have all of these pressures. My time is limited, but I need to make time and make space to carry what's important. Now, these wise men carried the three specific gifts. Chris spoke last week, like I said, on gold. I'm going to be unwrapping the importance of man. But the starting point is they made space and carried what was important. Now, moving on, moving on from that, it's important to understand the source of a gift. So my second point really is around understanding the source of a gift is a good indication of the fruit it will yield. Understanding the source of the gifts is a good indication of the fruit it will yield. Now, I didn't know much about myrrh until I looked into what it actually is. And before I move on to what it actually is and unwrap its, its real essence, it's good to understand where it's come from. Now, myrrh is extracted from a tree. And now, I don't know about you, I love trees because trees signify so much good examples of what we can apply to life. So, myrrh is extracted from trees. It's an oil, it's a resin, and it's, it's extracted from trees. Now, this tree itself is about nine foot tall. 
So myrrh itself is extracted from trees. A nine foot, nine foot tall tree. Good thing about trees is they have roots. These roots run deep. Trees have a protective bark. It enables them to weather the storm. It has branches. It provides shelter. It provides protection. Trees itself provides a central focus of the ecosystem. So the source of myrrh itself comes from a very significant and I, what I feel is quite a relevant source. It comes from such a relevant source. A source that provides protection, that is well-rooted. A source that, when you look at some of the, the benefits that tree brings and its multifunctional purpose, it's, phen it's phenomenal. And then when you extract from something that is phenomenal and that is great, the fruits you get from that are also great. The fruits you get from that are also great. So understanding the, the source of a gift and what benefits that bring also materializes into what fruits you get from that source. So myrrh itself comes from a great tree. A great tree. And when we look, when we actually move on to, to what myrrh itself does and what it is, I think it was actually quite fascinating. And it's why I called it the bittersweet gift, the bittersweet gift, because myrrh itself has a fragrant perfume. It has a sweet essence to it, a sweet smell, a sweet smell. It's used in a variety of different ways. It's used as a, as a, as a oil and ointment, holy oil and ointment and ingredients. It's used in medicines. It's also used and normally added to, to wines as well, to drink. So its source comes from a multifunctional, multi-purpose place. Its fruits are also multifunctional, multi-purpose. It denotes all of these things which are sweet. However, more as well, has a taste which is also linked to it being bitter. So for me, that's, that's a, a strange concept to get my head around. Something that smells fragrant and sweet, but has a bitter taste. And the word itself denotes bitterness. The word itself denotes bitterness. And when we look at some of the the actual practicalities and uses of myrrh in the Bible, what it showed and, 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 and kind of linked into was that myrrh was also used for embalming the dead. So you have this on one, on one hand, this gift, fragrant, sweet, used in medicines, used to, as an additive and added to wines, used for ointments, holy oils, and on the other hand, it was used to preserve dead dead bodies. It was used as a preservative in embalming. And that's the, the kind of tug-pull situation with the gift of myrrh. It was a bittersweet gift in its smell and in its taste. 
but then also linked into what it signified. Because that particular gift signified that Jesus one day will have to endure the ultimate sacrifice. Bittersweet gift. One day Jesus was going to endure the ultimate sacrifice. The sacrifice that one day he will die for my sins and your sins. And it's actually quite ironic, actually, because the phrase bittersweet, I'm happy it's put that way around because it ends with sweetness. And all great things ends with sweetness. Because, yes, he was a great king that was born. Yes, the gift could be signified as bittersweet. But it ends with sweetness because his birth was the stepping stone for us to have Saviour in him, for our sins to be forgiven, and for him to fulfill that ultimate sacrifice for us. And he rose again from the dead. So it was ended with sweetness. Bittersweet gift. It's funny actually, because I was also when I was reading Proverbs 18, verse 16, it says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. I'll read it again. Proverbs 16, 18, it says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. A gift opens the way. And Jesus was that ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice, because he opened the way for us to have a better and a deeper relationship with God. He opened that way for us to have that relationship with God. So the gift of myrrh signifies that Jesus was that sacrifice. He had that he was he was a great king to be born. And he was that ultimate sacrifice for us. And the wise men and I go back to my original point, the wise men were specific in what the gifts that they carried for that long amount of time and that long duration because their, their space was limited. Their space was limited. So, when we look at the story of the wise men and the gifts that they carried, the first thing, really, and I will say it was the first thing, the, the, the one thing I would say I want you to take away and really meditate on is... When we look at Mary and what it signifies, it signifies that sacrifice. It signifies the, the joy of presenting a gift, but also the recognition of that ultimate sacrifice for you, for me, for us all. And we should never forget that. We should never forget that. And it's still a joyous occasion. It's still a joyous Situation is still a joyous position to be in because, as we read in Proverbs, the gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. It ushers the way. And those wise men knew exactly what they were doing. There's lots of theories, there's lots of history, and there's lots of different viewpoints on the, on, on, on the gifts itself and what they signify and what they mean. 
but you can't deny the multi-purpose function of of my, the oxymoron type of situation we've got with the better sweet concept. But the bit that signifies the embalming of the dead is a good indication that one day we're going to be in that position. He, Jesus is going to be in a position where he takes his rightful place so that me and you can have that relationship with God. So just bringing that to a close, I just wanted for us now just to spend some time in our hearts just meditating on Jesus being that ultimate sacrifice. The gift of more representing Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. I don't know what situation you're going through or what you've been through, but let's just focus on what God has done and the sacrifice that Jesus has has made for us and what that gift actually signified. So in your heart, I just want to spend a couple of minutes just thanking God for that sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life.com dash cc dot org